Welcome to the Man of Sorrows Finding Joy podcast. I am William Lloyd, a man of sorrow. Our podcast is committed to supporting and encouraging men to process their grief in order to heal and return to joyful living in the midst of great sadness. Although it is directed toward men, all are welcome to tune in and participate. The reason for Men of Sorrows Finding Joy The reason why it is geared toward men is the fact that in most of the grief support groups I attended after the death of my son, men were noticeably absent, and one of the often repeated reports of the wives, mothers, and sisters about the men in the family was, they are angry and they keep busy. Big boys don't cry was a phrase I grew up with, but here men are invited to cry, mourn, and express their emotions by following the example of the best, bravest, and strongest man that ever lived, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 5, 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Isaiah 51 declares Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. On today's podcast, I talk about guilt, survivor's guilt, any kind of guilt, regret, remorse, shame that we feel attached to our loved one's death, and how Jesus stands with us in solidarity in our suffering and has absorbed all that. Thank you for listening in. If you want to contact the show, you can look at the email in the show notes, go to our Facebook page, Men of Sorrows Finding Joy. Thank you again for listening. God bless you. Most of us are familiar with Psalm 51 as David's great psalm of confession of his sin, of adultery and then murder. And he murdered his friend, by the way. And I would believe that there was a lot of grief in David, that he was grieving himself, what he did, and his friend's death. Psalm 38 is the less known psalm attached to the same incident, and it was while David was covering everything up, while David was living with his secret, trying to cover it up, the guilt and anguish that he felt and that he confessed only when he was with the Lord. He says, Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. Notice all the physical pain that he talks about. Festering wounds, his back filled with searing pain, this heavy burden, his bones ache. Ethan Cross in his book Chatter, and Ethan Cross is a a neurosurgeon, and in his book Chatter, he shows that research demonstrates that our brain processes emotional and physical pain the same. It doesn't really make a distinction. 
So notice that David talked about his guilt and his grief and his mourning. I know that the, 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 the watershed, the waterloo of my grief, I felt my, my body ached. I, I was carrying the grief. That's a term, carrying the grief. And months before Liam died, I had booked a cruise for Carrie Ann and I to go on. I booked a cruise for us to go to Alaska because Carrie always wanted to go on a cruise. It was already set. There was no refund, anything like that. And when Liam died, it was about a month, six weeks maybe, after he died that we were to go on this cruise. And we went on it, and we did the best we could. I was in so much pain, and I remember the last day of the cruise, we were dropped off at the airport at 10 in Vancouver, 10 a.m., and our flight wasn't leaving until about 8 o'clock that night. So we went around the city, we walked around, got something to eat, and then when we got back, we had to carry our bags to the gate. My body started hurting. The grief was, was tearing me up inside. I was so still, so raw, still so heartbroken, and my hips and my back ached my shoulders and we were carrying and then they changed our gate they changed our gate three times so we had to up and move and I remember when we got to the last gate I collapsed and I just wailed crying and sobbing uncontrollably and I said I remember I said everybody says that I'm gonna see Liam again everybody says that you know, he has eternal life and I will see him again. But this life is all I know. And I am never, ever going to see him again. And I was I was crying and, and wailing and sobbing as I said this. So identify with what David's feeling here. All that pain, all that of emotional pain. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was survivor's guilt. Shame that is attached to complicated situations with grief. Suicide and child loss are two big complicators of grief. I had them both. Regret is another one. And I had regrets in my relationship with Liam. How I responded to him at times, missed opportunities to be with him, many regrets. So on top of the complicated grief was regret, guilt, guilt, I was convinced, and no one could talk me out of it, that this was my fault. If you know Liam's story, you would know that he had fetal alcohol syndrome. He came out of the Marines, and he was really struggling. And we know that fetal alcohol syndrome, adult males have a hard time with executive functioning. Liam was just functional, functional enough to where he could be stubborn. And I felt that if I really would have watched and really would have paid attention and cared about Liam and loved Liam enough, I could have kept him alive, that it was my fault. I felt that I hurt him in the decision with finally divorcing his mother. Although his mother initiated the divorce, asked for the divorce, did things that really broke down our trust, when it came down to finalizing it, 
She said she had changed her mind and didn't want a divorce. And I, I went through with it. I felt that is what I was supposed to do. And I thought that's what really hurt Liam. That was, I, I, I pushed the button on his first real pain in life. Otherwise, this well-adjusted, beautiful boy that did have some deficits with fetal alcohol syndrome, but was loving, kind, sweet boy. Because I followed through with the divorce. I hurt him. It was that pain, that separation that caused it all. And it's my fault. I also knew that although Liam looked good on paper and was out of the Marines and had a gun in his possession, that I had to admit that sometimes deep down inside I felt like, oh, I don't feel good about Liam having a gun. And then I would kind of think about it and say, well, he's even looking to be a security guard. He, you know, he's good on paper. He's been around guns. He's a military man. So these things complicated the grief and made me sure that I was guilty and it was my fault. God was mad at me. I don't know if I felt forsaken by God. Really, I felt like maybe God forsook the whole earth, that maybe he just created everything and just let it all run run down. Kind of like an existential idea, like God is just not really involved in the affairs of men. And believe me, I had great faith. Go back to previous podcasts. I was a pastor. I was a Bible teacher. I believed the gospel of Jesus Christ fervently. So the grief was complicated and the guilt was overwhelming. Overwhelming. It almost killed me. Now, everybody told me, you did such a great job with Liam. You were such a good father, on and on. That didn't matter what other people say. When we are broken, we need to hear from God, and we need to hear him speak to us personally. And what God spoke to me, it was a beautiful, beautiful revelation that I got about this particular part of grief. Right before God the Father through the prophet Jeremiah, announces the new covenant. He uses a, a colloquial saying of the day. He says, in those days, people will no longer say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and their children's teeth are set on edge. Instead, everyone will die for his own sin. Whoever eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. What God showed me in that scripture was that he had a direct relationship with Liam. As my grief counselor paraphrased what I heard from God when I was explaining this to him, he said, God doesn't have grandchildren. So Liam was 29 when he died. Liam had a relationship with the Lord. God did not work through me to have a relationship with Liam. God didn't say, hey, say this to Liam. Do this for Liam. God was in direct relationship with Liam. God loves, loves still. God loves Liam. God loved Liam. God was with Liam. 
God never left Liam. God was in relationship with my son. That helped alleviate the guilt. That helped alleviate the shame that I was feeling. What God also showed me there, if you look at the story of David, and if you look at when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband to cover it up, God sends Nathan to David. Now, I want you to think about what we read in the beginning, Psalm 38. David was in agony. He wasn't happy. He wasn't joyful. He was in bondage to his own guilt, shame, and sin. God sent Nathan to David for David's sake, to set David free, to have David come clean, and for David to be restored in a relationship with God. There was no threat of hell. There was no th God just sent Nathan, and Nathan spoke to David. And we're, we're picking up where Nathan says to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. David says to Nathan down in verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replies, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. Notice that Nathan is talking past tense. It's past perfect tense here in English. The Lord has taken away your sin. David didn't have to do anything. David was forgiven when Nathan went to him. We get forgiveness very mixed up. Forgiveness is something God decided to do really before the foundation of the earth. You were born forgiven. You were born forgiven. We don't have a forgiveness problem with God. We have a faith problem, a belief problem. But he said, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. And he goes on to talk about, you know, the consequences of his actions. But God and Nathan, I mean, God and David were one. They were in fellowship. They were in relationship together. And God was going to see David through the death of his son. So any guilt that we carry or any guilt that we feel, isn't God speaking to us? Isn't God laying that down on us? God came, Jesus Christ came to remove the burden of guilt. Past, present, and future, the Lord has taken away your sin. So as I reviewed all of my past mistakes and sins and problems with Liam, God showed me that it was all taken care of and that I could not ruin God's ultimate plan for Liam or for me. And even Liam, in taking his own life, did not ruin God's ultimate plan for Liam, for me, for all of the family of God that we are going to spend eternity with. 
and I really got a a glimpse or a vision of us all sitting at the marriage supper at this big table with Jesus. One of the things I think about when I think about that, I say, well, that's an awfully long table. You have billions of people, <laughs> the universe. But then I thought, well, maybe our circle of loved ones, our cloud of witnesses, those that we, I think, yearn to be with. I mean, I want to meet new people. Well, I mean, I want to, you know, I want to meet like one of the people I want to meet maybe is General Patton or I want to meet, you know, Peter. I want to meet Paul. I want to talk to Paul. Definitely. I want to be with Jesus, of course, but I'm talking about other people. But there's other people I'd like to maybe say hi to Abraham Lincoln. Right. Or a, a great, 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 great grandfather. You know what I'm saying? However. This life has to mean something. And those that we loved with all our hearts and those that we loved in this life, I think, I mean, I know I want to, I want to, I want to be with Liam. I want to be with him. Um, I want to be with my, my other kids when they, when they pass on after me, I hope and pray. So I get a picture of us sitting, my dad, my mom, cousins, aunts, uncles, around this big table with Jesus, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the plans that I saw as ruined and wrecked any chance of relationship with Liam, destroyed and in ruin, has been redeemed, has been resurrected because Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus Christ came to defeat sin and death once for all. Jesus came to show us the resurrection, the resurrected life that we will live with him in the place that he's gone to prepare for us in the new heaven and the new earth. And it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's beyond what we can imagine. If you've lost a loved one and you are carrying guilt and shame, Release that to Jesus. Let it go. Because here's the thing. Were you the best parent? Yes, you were. You were the best parent for that child because God put you together. You were the perfect parent for that child because God put you together. Elizabeth Murray, in her book and in her documentary and movie called Homeless to Harvard, her parents were hardcore drug addicts. And when you are addicted to drugs, you look like and act like the most selfish human being on the face of the earth. You're totally self-centered and totally selfish as an addict. And she knew, though, her parents loved her. She said, I knew my mom loved me even though she forgot. And she said, you might think that my parents were villains, but they weren't. They were the perfect parents for me. Now you have this Elizabeth Murray whose heart is open and full of light talking about her parents who really could have destroyed her life, that they were the perfect parents for her. If you've lost a child, you were the perfect parent for that child. But I want to ask this about any survivor, survivor's guilt you may have. It might be you, a parent that died, a sibling that died, and something that you think you could have done to stop it, or you wish you didn't say that harsh word. The truth is, 
Who was Adam and Eve's parent? Who was the very first parent? The perfect parent? God. And Adam and Eve still got it wrong. Whether you read it as a metaphor or you read the garden as literal, what it's saying is that what God created and who he created disobeyed him, messed up, however you want to say it, sinned, and God was the perfect parent. In fact, I believe that in the cross of Jesus Christ and in the suffering of the Christ, our Messiah, our Jesus, God is telling us, I stand with you. I stand in solidarity. I am taking responsibility as your parent for all of it, for all of the mess, any mess, sin, death, evil, deed, ever done, suffering on the face of the earth, God suffers with us and has suffered with us, and God fixed the problem. He fixed it. We can't fix it. He fixed it. He did it. I don't think God's feeling guilty about what Adam and Eve did. I don't think God's wringing his hands wondering how this is all going to work out. God has the final say, and death has been defeated. Death, sin, the dead, Hades, it's all destroyed in the end. God is going to eradicate all evil and suffering, all guilt, all shame is going to be washed away. Right now, we can hear him speak to us. Right now, we can be released from any guilt, any shame attached to our loved one's death because God alone holds the keys of hell and death. God alone is in charge of all that. And he forgives us eternally. He accepts us eternally. And he has the plan. He has the plan for all eternity. I am forgiven. Totally, completely forgiven. Not only that, I'm loved, I'm accepted, and I'm an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. And one day, there's going to be reunion. One day, there's going to be adventures for my son and I. One day, there's going to be Reunion, rededication, commitment, new heaven, new earth, new adventures, love beyond our wildest dreams. Just not now. Just not now. That's the blessed hope. One day, all of us. Just not now. Now, I have people to love. Now, I have a God to worship. Now, I have loved ones and people all around me that love me. Now I have adventures and fun times and hard times. One day we'll be reunited, just not now. So if you're feeling guilty, I encourage you to lean into Jesus. Speak to him. Talk to him. Tell him everything you're feeling and wait for his answer because he will answer you. And that answer is going to be bring peace, clarity, joy, and you'll feel the weight of guilt come off.
God does not motivate us by fear. He doesn't motivate us by guilt or pride. His motivation is faith, hope, and love. Faith in God and faith in who God says we are. That faith produces hope. Faith in God's promises that I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live though he dies. And whoever believes in me will never die. (laughs) Faith in that produces a hope to persevere through our pain. And that hope motivates us to love. There's some kind of motive. It's a supernatural thing that God works, but you always see those three words together, faith, hope, love. And when that hope wells up inside of you, that joy of eternal life and that hope, you're going to want to love people, which starts with loving yourself. Receive God's forgiveness. It's full It's perfect. It's eternal. It's been done since the foundation of the world. I'll leave you with this one last thought that Jesus gave me. Son, he said, I did not come light years across the universe to die and rise again so that you would get your act together and no bad keep every bad thing from happening on earth. I didn't come and die and suffer so that bad things wouldn't happen. I came because sin and death happened. We're set free. We are set free and we stand in the abundance of grace, this grace in which we now stand. Mercy, grace, and love surround you. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Remember, his grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness and nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Please subscribe to this podcast. And if you know anyone struggling with grief or any men who would like to come on and be my guest, please contact me through the email in the show notes. God bless. Thank you. Christian, oh Christian, stop running to and fro, thinking that my will for you is a sorry religious show. Salvation can't be My love you can't buy It is finished is the truth Anything else is It is finished And to my rest It is finished You're already blessed It is finished Come on home I finished the work and I'm on my father's throne. Christian, oh Christian, stop laboring under law. If you've broken one point, you've missed it all. You are under a curse. When I'm law, you It is finished, enter my rest. It is finished, you're already blessed. It is finished, come on home. I've completed the work, I'm on my father's throne.